your flight podcast about everything you don't want to happen on your plane. Today, we are getting into... Oh, also, I'm Caroline Miller, but you already knew that. So today, we are getting into the very, very recent disaster that occurred on board Southwest Airlines Flight 1380. This flight shattered the statistics of modern airline flight that comfort millions of anxious flyers every day, like myself. Southwest Airlines Flight 1380 was the first fatal airline accident associated with a major U.S. passenger airline since Continental Connection Flight 3407, which crashed into a house in 2009 and killed 50 people. Southwest Flight 1380 was the very first accident involving a Southwest plane that killed a passenger, and the tragic situation really could have turned out much worse were it not for the amazing skills of the pilot of the flight that fateful day and the actions of the passengers and flight attendants. One of the scary things about Southwest 1380 is that you can actually see pictures and videos from inside the plane during the accident. So in essence, you can kind of experience what it would be like to actually experience a life or death experience on a Southwest flight, which... Uh, really creeps me out because I fly Southwest all the time and I have a Southwest credit card and and I just really like Southwest. But anyway, what are the credit what are the credit card numbers? <laughs> One, two, three, four. Go away, hackers. Uh, security code is WTF. Anyway, with me today, as you might have guessed, is Trevor. Uh, Trevor keeps saying that he's not coming back on the podcast, but then he comes back anyway. Um, and I think it's because Trevor is also a plane nerd like you and me, but he's too cool to admit that he's a plane nerd. I don't know about that. Oh yeah, then, I mean, then what is I don't it? really think about planes, and I really don't think about plane crashes ever in my personal Ever? <laughs> ever. If, so, so if when we were watching The Last of Us... And in the first episode, the plane crashes and, like, kills people. Were you just like, that didn't exist? I don't think about plane crashes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought about it in that in that second. I was like, wow, that was a big, that was pretty cool to look <laughs> at. <laughs> I hate, anyway, moving on. Let's talk about something that happened in real life. And we're discussing it with cordyceps. No. Yeah. Oh. Good lord, Trevor, if you derail one more episode with pop culture references, I swear we'll never forgive you for all the Marvel stuff. Anyway, let's crack into this real thing that happened in real life that was really bad. Southwest Airlines Flight 1380 was a regularly scheduled passenger flight from LaGuardia Airport in New York City to Dallas Love Field in Texas. The aircraft involved in the accident flight, which will play a critical role in this story, was an 18-year-old Boeing 737-700 series. The crew flying the diseased plane that day were some of the most qualified, competent pilots I've ever heard about. Our captain was 56-year-old Tammy Jo Schultz, and she had been a U.S. Navy fighter jet pilot earlier in her career. And she had been flying with Southwest for nearly 25 years since 1994. She had amassed an impressive 11,715 flight hours, the vast majority of which were on the Boeing 737 aircraft type. 
First Officer Darren Lee Elliser was 44 years old, and he was a former U.S. Air Force pilot and an Iraq War veteran. He had been flying with Southwest for over a decade, starting in 2007, and he had accumulated 9,508 flight hours at the time of the accident flight. There were three flight attendants, 144 passengers on board, bringing the total number of souls to 149, but the number of people that would leave the plane in one piece that day was 148. Shortly after takeoff at 11.03 a.m., the the aircraft reached an altitude of 32,000 feet. So, so far, 30 minutes into the flight, the trip had been completely normal. Uh, The crew later testified that there was nothing abnormal or noteworthy about the initial leg of the flight, but that was about to change. First, Officer Elliser was flying the plane, and Captain Schultz was supervising, but suddenly... There was a loud bang and a puff of smoke in the passenger cabin, and then in the cockpit, a flurry of alarms all started blaring and flashing and going off all at the same time. The plane depressurized and rolled hard to the left, and oxygen masks automatically dropped from the ceiling as gray smoke continued to billow throughout the passenger cabin. Someone brought a bong on board? (laughs) That's That's why the FAA won't let you transport weed from legal state to legal state, because if you bring weed on board a plane, it just automatically depressurizes the plane, and there's an alert in the cockpit that's like, dank, dank, land, call police, land, call police. Anyway, it wasn't a bong. It was something actually very horrible. In row 14, there was even more chaos unfolding because a passenger and two flight attendants were desperately holding on to 43-year-old Jennifer Riordan, a mother of two young children from New Mexico. The window that she had been sitting peacefully by just moments before had been shattered along with a section of the fuselage that now had a hole in it, and she had been partially sucked out of the plane. And the immense speed of the aircraft combined with the altitude of the plane had rendered Jennifer unconscious as her limp body slammed onto the outside of the 737. The left engine, meanwhile, was violently breaking apart piece by piece, and the plane continued to roll, and it rolled by as much as 40 degrees until Captain Schultz took the controls and regained control of the aircraft. Also, during this entire thing, the plane was shuddering and vibrating violently and making horrible, scary sounds, too. So, as if everything wasn't already horrifying, you're also being shaken like, uh, I can't even think of a thing that is as horrible as this. You're just being shaken a lot, and the sounds are scary, and everything is scary, and there's a hole in the plane, and you're in the plane, and hey, there's an oxygen mask. So Captain Schultz, once she got control of the plane back, she said, okay, there's procedures to go through, and we're going to do this right. So she commanded the first officer to go through the emergency checklist, as is proper procedure, and after the emergency checklist was complete, she got in touch with air traffic control, declared an emergency, and requested a diversion to the nearest airport. Like, first one, just let me go there. And initially, she thought that the nearest airport would be the best option because the plane had become almost impossible to control. 
Uh, the crew would later testify that the plane was a disaster and that it was really hard to keep a hold of. And luckily for everybody on this plane, Captain Schultz is an amazing aviator and she was successfully able to fly the plane. And once she felt like, okay, I can control this enough to make it to Philadelphia, she retracted her request for the first available airport and instead requested a diversion to Philadelphia for an emergency landing. And the reason she did this is that Philadelphia was the most logical choice for an emergency landing of a 737 because the captain knew that, you know, these tiny airports might not have it. They might not have all the medical and emergency equipment needed, but Philly definitely would have all the equipment needed to handle the situation. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to go to Philadelphia. And she used all of her expertise that she had acquired in the Navy, and she brilliantly flew the plane under extraordinary circumstances to Philadelphia. And once she got there, there were some decisions to make. The first thought that she had was in the interest of safety and thoroughness, she initially planned for a long final approach to ensure that all the necessary emergency checklists had been properly completed before going in for the landing. But when the flight attendants told the captain, hey, uh, there is a passenger that is, you know, partially sucked out of the plane and also eight more people are currently injured. the captain was like, you know what? There is no time to waste. So... Southwest Flight 1380 descended as quickly as possible now and made an expedited approach into Philadelphia. Meanwhile, in the passenger cabin, the passengers and flight attendant had successfully pulled Jennifer back into the plane. She was severely injured and unconscious, but still alive at this point. Passengers performed CPR for the remainder of the flight, desperate to keep her heart beating until the ambulance arrived on the ground. Due to the absolutely incredible skills of Captain Schultz, the diligent work of First Officer Elliser, and the successful efforts of the flight attendants to keep everyone as safe as possible, Southwest 1380 landed in Philadelphia in one piece. Ambulances and fire trucks flew to the scene, spraying flame retardants and retrieving injured passengers from the aircraft. Oh, the Amber, ham, huh? How do the ambulances and fire trucks fly? Same way uh, Santa <laughs> flies around the world every Christmas Eve. <laughs> Magic. Um, but on a serious note, Jennifer Riordan, the passenger who had been sucked out of the plane, was sped to a Philadelphia hospital where she quickly died from blunt force trauma to the head, torso, and neck. Unbeknownst to her children that were across the country and hadn't heard about the flight at all yet, they had just lost their mother. Her husband, Michael Riordan, lost his wife, but the world at large as well had lost an incredible person overall because Jennifer was not only a loving mother and spouse, but she was also an accomplished human being in a lot of different ways. Her family later said that she was, quote, the bedrock of our family and that she and her husband, quote, wrote a love story unlike any other. Her beauty and love is evident through her children. Jennifer was vice president of community relations at Wells Fargo in Albuquerque, where she used her position to dedicate herself to philanthropy and giving back to her community in Albuquerque and the entire Southwest region of the United States in general. 
In fact, she had facilitated a volunteer service of more than 1,000 people. Wells Fargo said that she was, quote, a well-known leader who was loved and respected. A previous employer, the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center, said that she was an, quote, amazing community leader, team member, wife, and mother. Her passion for our community, our students, and our future was unwavering. So next time you're on a flight and you're like, ugh, who is this person sitting next to me? Why do I have to be so close to them in these tiny economy seats? I should have upgraded to business when I had the chance. You know, just remember that the person you're sitting next to has people who love them and people that depend upon them. And, you know, you have no idea who they are. Yeah, but what if they smell bad? So if what I'm hearing is if you smell bad, it doesn't matter if you've, you know, saved the lives of 20 people from a burning building. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're going on a plane. You should prepare. You should, you know, you're get sitting in a tube with people for hours. Be aware of your odor and the effect your odor has on people. That was a very emotionally attuned speech about body odor. Be mindful of how your odor affects others on your next sky sausage adventure. <laughs> but this leaves the question... Why on earth did we have to lose such a wonderful human being? Why did the safest U.S. airline let this happen? Well, the answer is simpler than you might have thought, but turns out it wasn't airline negligence for once on this entire frickin' podcast. Uh, Southwest was following the maintenance rules and guidelines laid out by Boeing and the FAA at the time for the 737-700 series. But at the end of the day, the rules at the time left too much room for wear and tear on the engine. But people hadn't known this before this flight. There had been a few issues here and there. There was an accident in 2016 that involved a similar type of incident that we're about to go into. But it proved to be uh, manageable and everybody was fine. So speaking of engines... We know that something bad happened with the engines because, remember, they were falling apart and it, act and it, you know, failed. The engine just stopped working. So something happened with the engines. But what exactly happened? Well, a fan blade had separated from the root and it caused incredible damage to the left engine. Fan blade number 13. <gasps> Fan blade 13 had broken off of its base due to fatigue and gotten stuck inside the engine, spinning around and around and around, just loose in there. And this caused heat and friction that ultimately led to the disintegration of the inlet cowl and the separation of the outer barrel. The flying piece of fan cowl shredded the fuselage and broke the window on row 14 where Jennifer was sitting, leading to her death. The window was destroyed and never found. Like, that was obliterated. So not only was the fuselage damaged by this violent deconstruction of the engine, but also the left wing and left horizontal stabilizer also sustained major damage due to the flying debris. On November 19th, the NTSB released their final report on Southwest Flight 1380. It read, quote, the National Transportation Safety Board determines that the probable cause of this accident was a low cycle fatigue crack in the dovetail of fan blade number 13, which resulted in the fan blade separating in flight and impacting the engine fan case at a location that was critical 
to the structural integrity and performance of the fan cowl structure. This impact led to the in-flight separation of fan cowl components, including the inboard fan cowl aft latch keeper, which struck the fuselage near a cabin window and caused the, w- the window to depart from the airplane, the cabin to rapidly depressurize, and the passenger fatality. So you can kind of see in that statement that a lot of things went wrong where if things had happened slightly differently, it might not have been fatal uh, like it had been in the past. Like this type of issue had come up a few times in recent years, but it never seemed like something that could result in, say, breaking a passenger window. Uh, Because a key phrase in that report is impacting the engine fan case at a location that was critical to the structural integrity and performance of the fan cowl structure. So what that tells me is that it hit this like Achilles heel of the entire engine and it and fan blade number 13 just happened to hit the magic awful spot where everything flew apart. But maybe if it hit a different spot of the cowl, it might not have happened. Maybe the, the, um, Boeing's heel. Boeing's cowl. Hey, there you go. It's it's new aviation mythology. Achilles heel, Boeing's cowl. There you go. Because the accident resulted in the death of a passenger and involved a major U.S. carrier, which is a combination which hasn't really happened much in the last 30 years, all the stops were pulled out in this investigation. The list of participating parties in the investigation include the NTSB, classic, the FAA, Classic, Boeing, Southwest Airlines, GE Aviation, the Aircraft Mechanics Fraternal Association, the Southwest Airlines Pilots Association, the Transport Workers Union of America, and UTC Aerospace Systems. The NTSB initially estimated that the investigation would take 12 to 15 months, but it ended up taking 19 months. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. It's a lot of work for these people. That's an extra four months, at least. But to be fair, I would rather them over-investigate than under-investigate. Like, I want to know exactly what happened so this doesn't happen again, you know? Yeah, maybe. This this comes straight from the mouth of a man who, quote, doesn't think about (sighs) plane crashes. (sighs) So, (laughs) So we can ignore him. Anyway... Uh, One of the first things investigators noted when reviewing ATC radar information was, hey, there were some pieces of the plane that separated from the plane and fell to the ground in Pennsylvania. Because of the weather information and good old-fashioned investigative work, the NTSB was able to find the debris in a field near the town of Burnville, Pennsylvania. If you live in or near Burnville, Pennsylvania... Give me a whoop whoop. Just kidding. I can't hear you. It's a podcast, but whoop whoop in your car or cleaning or whatever you're doing. Anyway, the engine nacelle, aka the casing that wraps around the engine, was found ripped in two pieces on the ground. They brought this back as evidence and they used it to help the engine manufacturer send out a service bulletin. And so on April 20th, 2018, CFM, the engine manufacturer, they issued service bulletin 72.1033, which applied to the engine type that failed during the flight of Southwest 1380. The bulletin stated that all CFM 567B series engines needed to undergo ultrasonic inspections of their fan blades. However, this only applied to engines that had accumulated more than 20,000 engine cycles, 
But after 20,000 engine cycles, the bulletin said that you had to repeat these ultrasonic tests every 3,000 cycles. So that means that if the plane that you're on happens to have these types of engines, you can rest easy knowing that they have been inspected in an ultrasonic fashion for fatigue and wear and tear, and that you are safe and they are safe. So hooray for safety. Wow. I wonder what that means, ultrasonic. What do they do? Spin it really fast? I'm not going to lie. At first, this is so stupid. When at first I read ultrasonic, my brain said, ultrasound. And I pictured them like putting the jelly on the fan blade uh, and be like, this is going to be a little cold engine. <laughs> that was the worst joke of my <laughs> life. Okay. So also, if you, like me, are an avid Southwest enthusiast, uh, on your next Southwest flight, you can take comfort in knowing that Southwest went above and beyond the safety recommendations, and they actually voluntarily performed inspections on all of their CFM engines of every type in its entire fleet. And this ended up being something like Southwest voluntarily completing 700 more inspections than they would have if they had just followed the base service bulletin. But Southwest was like, nope, we're going to be extra thorough and we're just going to check everything to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, which reflects very positively on Southwest as an airline. Too bad it's a different CEO now. Well, the, okay, the the CEO. We're not getting we're not getting <laughs> off track again. The seat the current CEO of Southwest inherited an absolute disaster. So I, don't throw him under the bus. Okay, okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so these service bulletins and consequent inspections found faulty blades, not just in Southwest Airlines, but all American carriers that had this type of engine had to do this. And when it was complete, they found faulty, fatigued blades in 3,716 engines. And the cost of each fan blade to replace it was $8,585 per blade. So very expensive repairs that needed to be done, but everybody's on the same page that safety is important, so everybody did it. Uh, the aircraft involved in the accident flight of Southwest 1380 has been repaired, uh, but it has never been flown again. Right now, it's just kind of sitting in storage in California. Did they um, retire the flight number? Uh, they have retired the flight number. They have. Wow. They have retired Southwest 1380, and I, I think that that is done in good taste. You should never continue a flight number where somebody died in the plane. Because of an accident, you, you should always just retire the flight number, in my opinion. Not everybody does. Like American Airlines, for example, <coughs> they didn't Whoa. they didn't retire a flight number that has had three accidents associated with it. But that's another episode. In the aftermath of the crash, the crew of Southwest 1380 was praised for their heroism, especially the expert handling of the situation by Captain Schultz. A then-member of the U.S. House of Representatives, Martha McSally, introduced a resolution in Congress to formally commend her actions on that fateful day. Elaine Chow, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation at the time, said in a statement that she wanted to, quote, commend the pilots who safely landed the aircraft and the crew and fellow passengers who, who provided support and care for the injured, preventing what could have been far worse. Southwest Airlines also went into damage control, not only with their fan blades, but in terms of their reputation. Uh, they gave every single passenger of Flight 1380 $5,000 in cash, as well as $1,000 additional dollars in flight vouchers for Southwest. But 
unsurprisingly, uh, when you cause a bunch of people trauma, throwing money at them doesn't make the trauma go away because Lilia Chavez, a passenger that was on the flight, sued Southwest due to her diagnosis of PTSD after the incident and the severe impact that the disease had had on her life. Whoa. Southwest settled the lawsuit out of court. Nice. So she got she got a fat stack. Yeah, I assume she got compensation, but I mean, PTSD is no joke. It can lead you to losing your job, and it can mess up your relationships. It's bad. So I'm glad that she was able to get compensation. Former U.S. President Donald Trump invited the crew and passengers to the White House, and it ended up being a small amount of people that came to the White House. It was the crew and a, and a small portion of the passengers. And the interesting thing to me is that, like many White House occasions, uh, they took a picture in the Oval Office with the president. Uh, it's less than two weeks after the accident at this point. They were taken to the White House on May 1st, and the accident flight happened in late April. Captain Schultz, she looks so mad and so serious, and I think, I think it's great. Hmm. I think it's great that she was very serious, because it... It was in the aftermath of something horrible, but it, you wouldn't know by looking at that picture, were it not for the captain, that they were there because they'd all narrowly escaped death. You would, you'd think by looking at the picture that it was like a family reunion or something, but, but Captain Schultz was like, uh, no, I will not smile. Uh, someone died on my plane, so no, I'm not gonna. But at the end of it all, this flight is complicated because... While it is mostly remembered as a miraculous flight where things could have been much, much worse, which is absolutely true, we have to remember that the death of even one passenger has far-reaching consequences. Jennifer's children had their mom die, and her husband became a widower, and her parents lost their child, and countless people lost a friend, a colleague, and a mentor. The two passengers sitting next to her are probably scarred for life because they held her beaten body as she began to die. And, God, what an awful way to die. So, the tale of Southwest 1380 should not be remembered as, like, a near miss, or even I've seen some people describe it as a miracle, but Southwest 1380 should be remembered as a true tragedy that almost became a mass catastrophe, but didn't because of some amazing people. And that's all I have for Southwest 1380. If you have any flight stories, recommendations, or just want to say hello, send us an email at maydaymaydaypod at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, leave a review wherever you're listening. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much for being with me. Even though you keep saying that you're not coming back, I have a feeling you're going to come back. Well, I mean, are you going to keep asking me? Yeah, but you keep saying yes, so... Anyway... Uh, until next time, be safe, be careful, and give your loved ones an extra tight hug. Bye! Bye!